Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friends, family, everyone's, everyone's, welcome to the first inaugural Black Nostalgia Awards. It's kind of like a backdated version of the Emmys, the Blimmies, if you will. <laughs> I know I will. Me too. We have a star-studded award show for you today, but instead of being hosted by boring and unfunny white men, it's hosted by me, Tracy Clayton. And me, Josh Gwick. From in living color to living single, Moesha to my wife and kids. That was alliteration. Tracy, did you get it? Oh, it was. We are looking back <laughs> at the best in Black television at its peak. And here's where I make a corny award show joke. <laughs> How was that? I mean, it's no Monique crazy and love performance at the 2004 BET Awards, but it'll do. Completely fair criticism. I'm not mad. Let's get going. Lego. Beyonce, you look like Luther Vandross. Oh, but make it fashion. But you ain't heard that from me. Fierce. Can't Call. stop. You see, when you do <laughs> clownery, the clown comes back I to bite. I no sleep because of y'all. It's Britney, bitch. Y'all not gonna get we no sleep because of me. Tiffany. I ain't Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue, a weekly podcast that revisits formative moments in pop culture that we still think about. This week, Black television in the 90s and the early aughts, that's the 2000s for you guys who don't read, aka the golden era of Black TV. That ain't no damn puppy. Go home, Roger. Who loves on suck? Did I do that? Where do you think you're going? 2 each week, we'll go back into the past and revisit unforgettable moments we all think we remember. And learn what they can teach us about where we are now. I'm Tracy Clayton. And I'm Josh Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> In honor of a historic win by Zendaya at the Emmys, this year had the most Black Emmy wins ever with 11 performers. 
Ain't that bad, bitch. Embarrassing. And with the arrival of some of our favorite blastics to Netflix, we wanted to take a moment to look back at the golden era of TV. Tracy. What? You know who we should talk to in order to get a good idea of what it was like to be young, gifted, and Black in the 90s during peak Black TV? Who? T.C. Carson. Oh my gosh! T.C. Carson, a.k.a. Kyle from Living Single. So... Later in this episode, we're going to talk to TC about what it was like being a part of that cultural moment. But first, we're going to hand out some awards to our faves from this era because they deserve. I love award shows. Where's the open bar? Is there an open bar? (laughs) No? I hate award shows. (laughs) So, for those of you who do not know, the 90s to the early aughts were a literal renaissance for black television. You know, Josh, ABC, NBC, and Fox initially led this aim towards the black viewer to ratings success. And then the creation of the WB in 1995 led to a landmark hub for black TV along with UPN also in 1995. <laughs> I am Connie Chung. There's so much about this era that we could talk about, but there's no way that we could talk about them all tonight. So we're putting them head to head and giving an award to the best of the best and focusing on black sitcoms specifically. Oh, I'm sorry, specifically. The first award of the night category is best theme song. The nominees are... Amen. Mm, turn on a light from heaven, Lord. Okay. If you please. Mm. A different world. Then where you came from. The Aretha version. We really need to specify. Not season one. Mm-mm. In a 90s kind of world, I'm glad I got my girls living single. My personal favorite. I don't know if I can say that as a host. <laughs> All that. Ready yet? Get set. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, in West Philadelphia, born and raised. Am I right? (laughs) And the winner is... (laughs) Oh my gosh, these envelopes are so tricky to open. Don't moonlight it. The theme song from Amen! Since the theme song from Amen could not be here tonight because it is a theme song and not a person, I will be accepting this award on its behalf. I had originally planned to sing a little bit of the song in tribute, but I have not had my warm sage juice yet, so my vocal cords are really not ready. Instead, I would love to present the lyrics in a spoken word piece, if I may. Ashe. Thank you. Turn on the lights from heaven, Lord, shine. Oh me, turn on the lights from heaven, Lord, shine. On me. Freedom. Ashe. Thank you. Thank you. And now the award for Best Black Mama on a TV sitcom. Mm. The nominees are Felicia Rashad, The Cosby Show. Just Felicia though, not the not the Cosby guy. <laughs> Dang, Mama! Monique as Nikki Parker <laughs> on The Parkers. That was a very good uh, impersonation. When we gonna go to the party? <laughs> <laughs> Our next nominee is. Uh, uh, Jack A as Lisa Landry on Sister Sister. The next nominee is Cheryl Lee Ralph 
as D Mitchell on Mo to the E to the Head Toss Moesha. <laughs> Come on, Head Toss. <laughs> <laughs> I would also like to give her an award for those dimples, am I right? Uh, you could just swim in them. <laughs> I should write like terrible <laughs> awards content for real. <laughs> and our final nominee is the renowned black tress, Janet Hubert, as the black Aunt Viv on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You know, ever since she had that baby Nikki, she looked different. We'll get more on that. We'll see about some, uh, <laughs> some fraternity and maternity testing. <laughs> And the winner is, envelope please, Felicia Rashad as Claire Huxtable. Congratulations, Felicia Rashad. Congratulations. You know, if you saw The Night of the Wretched and you remember when Vanessa wanted to have big fun, you know why she won this award. And you're down in Baltimore having big fun. Fun. Weren't you, Vanessa? Isn't that where you were? Didn't you go down there to Baltimore and have big fun, Vanessa? Tell me, didn't you go for big fun? Mom? Shut up! <laughs> Don't you dare open your mouth when I'm asking you a question. <laughs> Claire Huxtable was the quintessential TV mom. Mm. The way that she read her children down, mm -hmm. but then offered her children love. That is definitely the type of mom that I would seek to be should I decide to bring children in this burning hellscape that we're currently living in, which I will not. <laughs> Too much? <laughs> no, I think it's just enough. <laughs> the next category. Best fake song in a black TV sitcom. Ooh. The nominees are When the Funk Hits the Fan. Smell like chitlins, grits, and ham. Everybody get funky. The Steve Harvey Show. Young Ashley Banks with Make Up Your Mind from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That outfit she wore when she performed in Carlton and Will were dancing behind her. Perfection has come back around. Get me my size. My aesthetic to this very, very day. The last nominee for this category. We are the boys in motion. We give you heart devotion. Heart devotion. <laughs> That's so raven. And you know the choreo to this day. I do. See how nostalgia just sticks with you, folks? <laughs> and the winner is... Envelope, please. When the funk hits the fan, the Steve Harvey Show. And look, we have Steve Harvey to accept the award. Hey, hey now. Hey, everybody now. All right, all right. I'm your man, Steve Harvey. Welcome to The Feud. How did, how did you get in my home studio? <laughs> what is this? Who in the what? Mr. Hightower, you won the award for When the Funk Hits the Fan. Oh, that's, that's a song that you was probably conceived to and y'all don't even know it. <laughs> all right, we asked 87 Wildebeests, what is your favorite fake song? And the winner is me. All right, buy my new book. Women don't know nothing. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and moving on to our next. Wait, Tracy, when did you get back? Oh, just now. I had to go to the back and um straighten up my my wig. I felt like somebody came and like shifted mm. it a little. You know, okay. like Sheree mm -hmm. from Real Housewives. Joggers in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> she by Sheree. <laughs> <laughs> And our next award category is Best Ooh. 
Y'all know what we talking about, like when the audience would do that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When somebody fine came out on the set. Our nominee, the one and only Stefan Urkel from Family Matters. The next nominee is Bumper Robinson mm. from literally every show in the 90s. I just... This is a family show, right? I won't finish that sentence, but <laughs> big fan of Bumper Robinson. <laughs> Our next nominee is Soul Train legend Shamar Moore for his role on Living Single. Come on, body roll. Yo, he did the slowest ass dances. It didn't matter what song was on. <laughs> Our next nominee is Usher <laughs> on Moesha. They call him U-S-H-E-R-R-A-Y-M-O-N-D. What you want to do with him? <laughs> and our final nominee is actually multiple nominees, and they are all of Khadija's boyfriends from Living Single. All of them fine. Every single one. Every last one of them. Morris Chestnut. Bumper Robinson again. Grant Hill, Chris Williams, and that one man with the gray patch in the front of his head. Mm-hmm. I would like him for Christmas if anyone knows his number. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> And the winner is Stefan Urkel. That's French. It is French. It's French for Urkel. Not many people know that. <laughs> no, 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 no. There is no Steve here. I'm Stefan, sweet thing. When Steve Urkel would hop into that porta potty and come out as <laughs> Stefan Urkel. <laughs> I used to get my entire life. You know what? I am at a point of comfort with myself that I can say I really wished that he had permanently became Stefan Urkel. I don't respect the way that he stalks Laura as Steve. Yeah, that was a lot. But congratulations, Stefan. Friends and family, we'd like to dedicate the next part of the show to the moments lost in time. Dearly beloved friends and family, pastor, members, and friends. We would like to take a moment to celebrate the moments that we cherished that have now gone on to glory. The moments that made us laugh. The moments that got us through. The moments that we are not never going to forget because they meant so much. And please hold your applause to the very end because it's respectful. Right, and this is not a black graduation where the principal is always like, okay, hold your applause to the end. And then everybody's like, fuck that. Lil Ronisha graduated. I'm going to clap if I want to. I get it. Not the place for it. Aunt Viv's dance to CNC's Music Factory's Gonna Make You Sweat. That time the Jodeci was on Martin, and Martin went crazy and just started going, Ooh, yeah! That time that Biggie was on Martin and Pam and Gina both wanted to be his backup singer, so Pam swag walked across Martin's apartment because Biggie was in the apartment and hit him with a song. What's up, Biggie? You know, I just came over to say hello to my girlfriend, Gina. How about I call her? Gina! Countess Vaughn said, Porty. The journey of discovery that Essence Atkins and Rachel True were on in finding you and finding me on Half and Half. The jingle for Plain White Rice that Jamie Foxx wrote on The Jamie Foxx Show. Plain White Rice. Plain White Rice. 
Always on point when your money ain't right. Oh, yeah. Oh. And it's tasty in the morning, but it's better at night, fool. It's good at a wedding when you throw it at your wife. Oh. It's with us in our hearts. And finally, we would like to celebrate the life of a TV channel taken from this world too soon. The Lord said, I'm short on angels, I'ma need all of them. Of course, we are talking about the one and only UPN, which gave us all of the black comedy that we needed and some that we did not and that nobody asked for. From 1995 until 2006, I am looking at you homeboys in outer space. I'm just gonna say, what was you doing? I mean, what other channel? could name a show Eve after the rapper, but name her character Shelly and get away with it. Mm. UPN, that's who. <laughs> that's how deep our love went for this channel. That's how deep our love still goes for this channel. 14 years later, we are still looking up towards the heavens and saying, why, Lord? Why hast thou takenest mine favoritest shows from me? We salute you, moments of black television. And although you've already gone up to yonder, mm, mm. there's always the streaming services to keep your memory alive. You got your ticket, and I just hope you save me a seat, and i see you when I get there. And now for our final category of the night slash podcast episode friends and family this is the blackity black lifetime achievement award known also as the lifetime achievement award lifetime achievement award goes to one of fox's most successful shows of all time susan shields in variety in 1995 said best aspects of this show are the chemistry of the six the warm apartment setting and the fun often physical humor Within these confines, characters let down their hair and find new heights of ridicule, insult, and ever so often, tenderness. And no, she was not talking about friends. She was talking about living single. Mm, 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 mm. Tracy, can I tell you why we should give the Lifetime Achievement Award to Living Single. Um, you don't have to tell me why because I'm on board, but perhaps our audience would like to hear why. Okay, so when I was watching Living Single, it was just one of the most aspirational shows ever. I wanted to be one of these people. I wanted to live in a brownstone with three of my friends where everyone had the perfect fashions. If anyone can mail me Khadijah's entire wardrobe, I would say Thank you. And mail me her boyfriends. I would also say thank you. You had Regine. You had Khadijah. You had Sinclair. Mm -hmm. But probably the most impactful on my life was Maxine. Maxine Shaw, Ronda Maverick. The way that she and Kyle would read each other Ugh. and her confidence that she had in herself. Like, you could not tell Maxine anything about herself nope. that she didn't already either accept, know, or disagree with mm -hmm. and was fine with, you know? Mm -hmm. She was totally fine walking up in their house, eating their food. But one of my favorite episodes was when Maxine takes all of this confidence and uses it to run for office. Mm -hmm. She has a campaign slogan 
that's Ride the Maverick. Jama can't steal that from her. I mean, I'm just saying. May I also mention one of my favorite living single moments? Please. That scene where Kyle sings My Funny Valentine to Max. Uh, Each day is Valentine's Day. Light some candles, call your boo, or have somebody to send an inappropriate text to afterwards because it was a it was a steamy scene. It was That's a just steamy. a really great song, but Kyle singing it on top of that. Shit. Mm. Them cheekbones, skin mm. just glistening. Mm. So, living single, this Lifetime Achievement Award is for you. <sighs> living single truly changed my entire life. So, we tracked down the one and only T.C. Carson, who of course played Kyle Barker on the show, to talk to him about what it was like to be on the show, what it was like to film that scene where he sang My Funny Valentine to Max, how important it is for black creators to own their own work, and so, so much more. Mm-hmm. Now, Josh, you already know how deep my love for the entire cast <laughs> and this man in particular goes. You already know. Yeah, I think we all know. I think we all know. And you also know of my love of chickens, right? I'm assuming. Have we met? I knew you were a bird. You know what? Um, That... I will allow that because I do have a daughter who is a chicken, okay? Uh, who lives with Melissa Harris Perry. Mm-hmm. Her name is Tracy Jr., and she is perfect, okay? And she looks just like her mom. So if that means I'm a bird, then cock a doodle do. Wait, that's a rooster. <laughs> I think it means you're the chicken whisperer. See me, know me, this is my story, this is my title. So if it's cool with you, I would like to own this interview. I think that's only fair. Thank you for being agreeable. Oh. Thank you for being a friend. (laughs) (laughs) So I called TC Carson on Zoom to talk about all things living single and 90s black TV excellence. And when you hear those chickens in the background, know that I was holding back tears because I was so commotional and I also just (laughs) wanted to start talking about chickens. So everybody, you're welcome. This is about to be something. Let's get into it after the break. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest Who Liberty stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense thing you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge, and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. 
Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I am dying to know, like, I know what it was like to consume media and TV back then, but what was it like to be a Black creative, a Black actor working in the business when there seems to be just like an abundance of Blackness on TV and Black jobs? It was great to be working. I come from theater, so to wind up on a syndicated show was just like a dream of mine. Mm. I really was playing catch up most of the time, just trying to make sure that I was able to dance the dance you have to dance in order to be where you are. It felt good to be working. It felt good to be doing something that resonated with my community. And my mom was proud, so everything was good. We really were working to portray images for our community that we kind of hadn't seen. That was, I think, the goal for Mm -hmm. everybody once we realized that we were doing something that could be important. You know, mm-hmm. and um, when people started explaining what they saw, you know, then you realize, oh, wow, we, we're actually a voice in our community that needs to be heard. What did it feel like? It still feels amazing. Yeah. To have young men come up and say, I went to college because of you. I, I studied stocks because of you. I learned how to really talk to women because of what Kyle did. So to understand that the work we did helped to shape or culture. That importance never gets lost on you. And it's always amazing to me whenever somebody comes up and says something, you're like, wow, mm. that's cool, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you and the other castmates know each other before Living Single? I think Kim and Queen knew each other. Kim Coles. I'm not sure if Erica and Kim Fields knew each other. I mean, of course, we all knew her from Cosby Show. and Right, before. right. But I didn't know anybody. She was actually the first person I met was Erica. AKA one of my idols. Um, And I've got some other questions, but since you brought up Max, I just have to, uh, it's just, it's one of my favorite relationships in black TV, like possibly ever. I kind of hate (laughs) just a little bit, the will they, won't they thing and like sitcoms and movies. I'm just like, y'all, there's, you can invent another character. Like you don't have to like do all of this just for whatever. But Kyle and Max, I was just like, this is different. Like there was something about like the tension and the pull and the push and the pull and the banter that was really, really amazing. And what I love about this is that um, you refer to each other, I may be getting this wrong, but as like entertainment soulmates, like y'all just clicked instantly, right? Yeah, we did. From the moment I met her, um, like we knew each other. And then we found out we were both born on November 19th, same day. It was just an unspoken language that we had with each other. They translated into what people saw. And Uh you know, I got a chance to on TV date Maxine Shaw. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Such a really but, sweet and giving person and actor. I, like, like you said, it's my partner. I mean, it was the dance that we did. So I really loved and still love with Living Single that you get those moments of Blackness. You get those moments of um, representation and duty. But you also get these moments that are just fun and hilarious and funny 
And everybody that I know would beat my ass if I did not bring up the time that Kyle sang My Funny Valentine to Maxine Shaw. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I think that was the moment when I was like, that's the kind of relationship that I want. You know, everybody wanted to be like Dwayne and Whitley or Martin and Gina, but I was like, no, this, this is the thing. Like it's, it's just the tension. Also, I have trouble, (laughs) I have trouble emoting and showing my like feelings to people. And so what I do is like, I just kind of come out with little jabs. Right. So it's like, I understood and I could interpret the love language. And I feel like that scene where she's trying not to break, uh, as an adult, it resonates with me so much more. I think it was a moment where they weren't really cognizant of what I could really do. The singing episode, oh, he sings, okay, we'll do the singing episode. Even as we were doing it, I think they were like, wow, this is not what we expected. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that Erica was fully invested in the moment. So the things that she was doing were not scripted to do. Mm-hmm. But this was her being where she was in the moment and our relationship being what it was with, between the two of us. And her doing what she was doing sparked me to do more what I, of what I was doing on stage because it was uh-huh. we were having a conversation. I let it go, yeah. So... I actually had the privilege of interviewing Queen Latifah on another podcast some years ago. And she admitted pretty much that the concept for friends was completely lifted from living single. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. When you first heard of friends or saw friends, like what was the response? Well, we knew it was our show. We knew it. When we heard it was coming out, we knew what it was. But I mean, they were both produced Mm -hmm. by one of them. So the company saw that the formula could work and they mm. took it. That's all. We continue <laughs> to look to someone else to hold our stories as true and hold our stories as who we are. We continue to ask somebody else to do it and they're not going to do it. Why are we not doing it? And that's what's happening now. We're starting to hold the narrative for our stories. We're starting to be able to say, no, this mm-hmm. show is available. You know, um, back then, it, we were a commodity. When you look at how many black shows were on, look at Fox. Fox built its reputation on us. We keep asking someone else to be the keeper of those stories. They're gonna do with them as they please because it is their property. So until we start owning our property, until we start owning our artistic expression, mm-hmm. we're not gonna be able to see what we wanna see. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm all withholding the powers that be accountable and making them do better. But I look at what are we doing for us? We have Mm. so much, yet our communities are still bereft of things. But we, the people in this country, we got a lot of money. We got a lot of power and a lot of influence. What happens if we start Mm -hmm. turning those things back to our neighborhoods, back to our people? Not in dislike of somebody else, Ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. It's all about us. Mm -hmm. And that should be okay. I feel like that's a question that we have been asking internally for so long. Like, when are we going to just, like, turn inward and turn towards each other to give ourselves the recognition and the validation we deserve versus fighting and clawing to get to that Emmy or to that Oscar? This is a big question, but why do you think that is? Why do you think it hasn't happened yet? Or why is it just now starting to happen? Because, you know, there's Tyler Perry and he's doing what he can with his studio. 
And I feel like there's a change starting, but why do you think it's taking so long? We have to remember that every system in this country was set up not for us. So we keep trying to excel in systems that were not built for us to excel. So Mm -hmm. we were taught that in order to make it work, you have to go over here. We were taught that in order for it to be popular, they had to sign off on it. But somebody else has to sign off. Uh-huh. You know, you uh-huh. have do that. You got great directors that are writing, and you know, it's it's a wonderful time for us. We're starting to understand that our dollar is king. So when we start to again understand what we need and then service us, then we're gonna start winning. This conversation reminds me so much of the Living Single episode where. Kyle was up for a promotion and he refused to change his hair. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners listening, I wish you could see, you look like Kyle would look, I think, if the show was still on today. Like the beaded necklace, his crisp, beautiful turtleneck. Like how much of Kyle's personality, like that strain of his personality, the Afrocentrism, being pro-Black and standing up for himself, how much of that was written into the character and how much of that did you yourself bring? Um, I think it was something that I brought in one day and because it really resonated with me, they saw how I normally dress. They started looking at the character and realizing that the way he looks could be a statement. Mm. And so we made an effort to make sure that I was wearing black designers, African things, uh, because we wanted to, we wanted to showcase that. Okay, so speaking of uh, the episode where Kyle refuses to change his hair, Mm -hmm. um, as I was reading about your exit from the show, and I read that your exit was prompted by a disagreement, let's say, with writers. And you said once that you were a little, quote, too Black and strong. What does that mean? What happened? You have to understand, it's 20 years ago. And, you know, after I went to Africa, I, I came back and I was wearing my garb. I was, you know, um, I was very much about who we are. Um, but we had several incidences during our tenure on the show where we had to, you know, management had to be called in. And when we would have issues, I would be the spokesperson for the group. And when the powers that be, when they see that, then they look at you as the troublemaker. If we let you go, then that'll put, they'll understand that we ain't playing. But... I don't regret anything I fought for on that show. I really don't. Yeah. You know, and I know that mm-hmm. the things we fought for made that show better, made it what it is. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things you fought for? Just about how they portrayed myself in Overton in the beginning. We fought about food sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. we didn't have, the writing was, we needed more and we would ask. It's not about what the things were. It's about mm-hmm. how dare you. Yeah. You should be happy you got a job. Mm. Mm. We, we were very happy we had jobs. We, everybody was extremely happy. Shit, I hadn't made that much money in my life. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we also knew that we had a responsibility in what we were trained, the people we were trained. Living single and Martin, like it's, it's comfort food for me now, you know, especially as my God, everything that's happening in the world right now. My family is from Louisville, which is where Breonna Taylor, unfortunately, was murdered. And in times like this, things that trauma does to your brain and your body, I don't think people understand. And so, like, it's it's this content that is, like, literally helping to keep me healthy. <laughs> it makes it 
able for me to do my job. Why do you think this return to this content is happening right now? Because we're so inundated with the negativity. And in between the things on TV, you get all these negative ads about this political person doesn't like this political so this everybody's bad, there's no joy. When you can give people something that would make them remember some joy. Mm -hmm. And that's why this stuff is important right now. Because yeah. we're fed all the negativity. And the trauma is real. We're, trauma is not just what you see right here. Trauma is internal. We are living mm -hmm. with trauma from slavery. Absolutely. In our DNA. And until we start understanding that and understanding how to fix that for us, we're going to be running around like this. But yeah. that's, it's in us. You can't deny it. Mm. But you always have a choice. Always have a choice. Even when stuff is not going well, then make another choice. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that God has given us. Choice. Mm. You know, so choose to be happy, people. I am. Hey, amen. Hey. Amen and amen. Um, I am so sad to have to let you go. Um, this is just a joy. I feel like when it comes to saying thank you, I just turn into a big puddle of mush. But I mean, like, you've been like a part of my life for a long time. So um, it's a pleasure, a pleasure to meet you and laugh with you. Where can people find you and your work? No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You can hit me on my Instagram, which is official TC Carson. My YouTube page is TC Carson. Twitter and Facebook are also TC Carson. Thank you again. And please tell the chickens and the roosters I said hi. I know you don't want <laughs> but I will. <laughs> <laughs>to that part of the party where we try to make Tyra Banks proud and learn something from this. Did we learn something from this? I think I did learn something from this. What did you learn? So I was eavesdropping on UNTC. You know, I Medlin. couldn't stay away too Medlin. far. That was my show too. I loved that show. But yes, true. he said something in y'all's conversation that just stuck out to me, especially in these times. Mm-hmm. He said that when you are the person to speak out about injustice, about something that's wrong for a group of people, you're mm. seen as the instigator and as the yes. problem. Yes, yes. That put a lot of like my life in perspective. Not to mm. make it about me or anything, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've been in that situation and I always took it so personally that right. I got the response that I did. Right. And so when he said that, I was like, oh, of course. It's not particularly that they hate me. I mean, they might, I don't know. Mm. But it's also just kind of what happens when you are the one on the front lines like that. Yeah, when you step out. And so it makes a lot of sense when you think about all of the reports that happened about like the conflict and the contentious nature of the writers and the actors mm -hmm. and TC being the person that was willing to stand up. Right. Whenever there's some sort of movement, whether it's in a workplace, whether it's within friends, whether it's within the nation, there has to mm -hmm. be someone that's willing to step up first, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the thing that my therapist told me is that speaking out is often a lonely position to be in. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's so true. Mm. 
And another thing I've been thinking about is just like how awesome and amazing and great this era of television was. Mm-hmm. One, because it was so black, <laughs> which is why it was so funny. Duh. But also, I feel like in the 90s, there were so many black shows that we had the right to not like some of them. Yes, yes. It was not like when Red Tails came out and everybody knew that it was not a good movie, but everybody was like, if you don't support Red Tails, you're not for the movement. It's a bad movie. And I don't have a lot of money, okay? So... Did you like Homeboys in Outer Space? No! (laughs) And I didn't watch (laughs) it. Did you feel guilty? No, because there was so much else to support and so much other shows to like. Do you know how freeing that is? It's so nice to be able... It's almost like we get to be regular humans. Oh, I mean, (laughs) wow. Right? How about that? I think that anytime that there's one of us out there that ends up having to represent every single black experience at one time, Mm. that becomes really problematic. It becomes really difficult because it's impossible. Mm -hmm. There's no way for one person to represent every experience. I remember when Tyler Perry had made the transition from those church plays that your grandma got from... From the hair shop. mm, The hair shop. And started making movies like in the theater. And a lot of people, me included, were not (laughs) excited about a lot of the content that was coming out, you know? Mm -hmm. But there were a lot of Black people that were excited about the content that was coming out. Flash forward to, you know, him being a billionaire now, Mm -hmm. him having that huge-ass studio in Atlanta that's like half of Atlanta. And I think that that is the goal, right? Is the fact that because we're not a monolith, we should be able to disagree on a TV mm-hmm. show and disagree whether something is good or not. That is what freedom is. Yeah. And like between you and I, I probably won't name them, which serves as an example of what you were just saying. But there are some shows that people love and I'm just like, I don't see it at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say what they are. But the pressure that you have right now and not saying what they are mm-hmm. is the pressure that we have in order to like support black artists because of how we all know how hard it is. Mm-hmm. We all know the barriers that they run into. Mm-hmm. We all know what it's like to be the only in a room. So we get behind these different people, but what true freedom is, is the ability to like what you like and it be removed from politics. Yeah, just like being able to exist without having to worry about the white gaze. Are white people watching? Are white people going to take something that I say or do and turn it around as like permission for them to say or do something wild? Mm-hmm. Am I writing these characters in a way that appeases white people and whiteness? Like, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter with Martin. It didn't matter with In Living Color. And that is so important. And it doesn't even just stop there. It's like James Baldwin talked about the burden of the black artist, right? And like mm-hmm. how you have to be a constant representation for your race within your work. That's not Mm -hmm. something that white artists do. White artists make fucking shows like Seinfeld where it's literally the tagline is, this is a show about nothing. Do black people ever get to do that? No. Ever. What is the deal with racism? (laughs) (laughs) But on a, a positive note, when we look back to this era of black television And we look at the landscape now, we can see how far we've come as a culture. Mm -hmm. Like, 
we talked about in the In Living Color episode how I felt as a child watching men on film mm-hmm. and how there's that gay, queer, black blind spot within representation sometimes, especially in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But that's not true anymore. Mm. Right? Like, it's not as true anymore. Yeah. Like, there's this episode of Moesha in which Hakeem's cousin is going on a date with Moesha. This very femme, queer man meets up with them. Moesha sees them and is like, oh, I think Hakeem's cousin is gay. And then the onus within the rest of the episode is like, why won't you tell the truth? Why won't you come out and be yourself? It sucks. Instead of like how hard it is within that context to be authentically you like you know what i mean yeah but if you look at shows like pose Mm. true blood oh i love lafayette if you look at queen sugar if you look at dear white people if you look at p valley Mm -hmm. you see black queerness expressed in a way that may not have happened in the 90s like maybe it would have been the butt of the joke in the 90s but today it's the Head of the joke? Yeah. The opposite of a butt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it mm-hmm. I'll take it. That. Yeah, those are good points. I like that because it talks about like looking back as a way to find comfort in today. Yeah. Because when you do that, you can see how far we've come. Like I be saying, it's good when comedy and when art does not age well because it means that we have aged well. We've aged better, which is good. Another comfort that I get in like looking back and revisiting like the stuff that I used to love, it really helps to see that history repeats itself. Absolutely. For better, for worse. Progress is slow. Who you telling? Progress happens by taking two steps forward and one step back. Mm -hmm. So a thing that I see, a pattern that I see, is that as we socially go through these moments of like progress and great political change, and then it's followed by a regression and like great political strife, Mm -hmm. the same thing happens with the art that we make, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, we are in the strife area of things. And I think this era is going to come back. Again, like I know there's a lot of great new black art and black shows on TV now, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we are bound to revisit that time where like there's just like so much out there that we can like what we like and not like what we don't like. Because I do kind of sort of still feel like... So much black art right now is political and it has to be. Has you know to what be. I mean? Yeah. I'm in a situation, though, where, like, I don't want it. I just want stuff that I can zone out to. I don't want right. to watch stuff about racism and strife and right. hard times. And so that's a hurdle for me to get over right now. But that's a hurdle for artists, too. Like, if you watched yeah. the BET Awards, there was this performance from Baby, And he started the performance underneath the boot of a police officer. Oh, Lord. And it's like, baby. all I need is a bop. <laughs> all I need is something with some bop in it. Hey. <laughs> but that external pressure to make political art yeah. is something that's real that creators feel. Precisely. And what I'm trying to say is I think that we will return to a time where we can just be us and be a little more free in the way that you defined it and just be goofy and laugh at Martin being dumb and stupid because that's what he's here for, you know? I think that's the goal. Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. This show was created and is hosted by Tracy Clayton. Hey, that's me. And it's also created and hosted by Josh Quinn. That's me. (laughs) Our lead producers are Josh Quinn and Emmanuel Hapsis. 
Our managing producer is John Asante. Our senior editor is Leela Day. Special thanks to Gabrielle Young. Our associate producer is the mysterious Alexis Moore. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss Berman and Max Linsky. This show features music by the one and only Don Will. You can follow him on the socials at DJ Don Will. And you can follow me on the socials at Broken Property. You can follow me at Regarding Josh. Subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. And if you think we missed any awards, tweet it to us. Put it on our Instagram. We would love to see it. You can follow the show at Back Issue Podcast on Instagram. And you can follow the conversation at hashtag Back Issue Podcast on Twitter. And I think that's that. We've got an after show to go to. Is that what they do after award shows? Yeah. Where we get drunk and break stuff because we're celebrities who never get in trouble? Isn't that how award shows work? I, I think so. I think so. Okay, let's go see. Bye, y'all. Bye. You are of the devil. Give me my award. I got to go.